seated, please be seated because we're doing something different on this long weekend. We don't normally do this, but uh, I pre-warned you last week that we're going to do that this Sunday and here we are. Uh, so instead of our regular sermon, it gives me great privilege to introduce you to Mr. Tim Holder. Can we encourage Tim? Because uh, I've heard Tim speak uh, a couple of times now. In fact, last September, I invited Tim to come and speak to our staff. And we go off-site somewhere. And uh, Tim came and uh, spent probably about an hour or so with us. And uh, it was fascinating. It was insightful. It was helpful. But it was also a little bit challenging, to tell you the truth. And uh, one thing, one thing that you'll soon learn about Tim is that he loves our city. And uh, of course, as a church, Door of Hope Christian Church, so do we, right? We love our city. And uh, I just want to say, uh, and you'll soon pick up on this, that Tim is a visionary, he's a leader, he's an optimist, he's a businessman, he's a doer, he's a go-getter, and he's also a follower of Jesus. And uh, he's, a, he's also very passionate with a capital P. And like all of us, when we are passionate, we have strong opinions and we love to share those thoughts, don't we, right? All right? Fantastic. So, Tim, as I mentioned last week, Tim is also the immediate past president of the uh, Chamber of Commerce in Launceston. He's a board member of City Prom Launceston. He's the chairman of City Mission Launceston. He's the CEO of Taz Broadcasters. He's the co-owner of Abe's Audio. Just a bit of in the brackets here right now as we talk about Abe's Audio. When you watch TV commercials and you hear voiceovers or you go to the movies and you see those pre-kind of commercials before the movie starts, a lot of those voiceovers come from this man's business. And uh, also, he's a board member of Door of Hope Christian Church's management team. <sighs> I don't know how you breathe, but uh, we'll get to that in a moment. But uh, his greatest achievements yet, of course, are his marriage to Jenny of 20 years and becoming father to two delightful girls, Lauren and Maddie. Just very quickly, let's talk about Lauren just for a moment, because Lauren, I mentioned last week, is the entrepreneur, her age and how she got to where she got to now. Oh, thanks, Stephen. It's a very generous introduction, let me assure you. Uh, and uh, probably not all true, but... <laughs> but, uh, look, um, yes, look, um, one of the great delights of life is having children, and um, I'm blessed to have two rippers. And um, my oldest daughter, Lauren, uh, she seemed to have a, an entrepreneurial interest at a very young age. And uh, when she was probably about 12 or 13, in fact, um, a number of ladies here at the Door of Hope uh, organised a craft market and that ran annually for a few years. And uh, Lauren got quite interested in that. And she would come along and she would make beads and um, merchandise them up. And uh, she would uh, sell things and uh, make a few hundred dollars. And um, that began to appeal to her. So she would then attend other markets uh, one at the Albert Hall, uh, just mark, making uh, you know, necklaces and earrings and so on. And uh, as a consequence of that, one thing led to another, and she said to me a couple of years ago, Dad, I'm, I'm tired of making. I, I get sore hands rolling beads. I'm after something a bit different. I said, well, why don't you uh, consider being the supplier to the makers? And she said, yeah, that's a great idea, I should. So that's what she's gone and done, and uh, she's just about to... Uh, um, rent a couple of commercial rooms 
Uh, she's employing a small number of people on a casual basis, and the business is getting some real growth in it. So as she heads off to university, she's uh, also looking to incubate a, a small business, and through her social media and, um, I, I would say, uh, 21st century marketing techniques, she is really going somewhere, so it's a good story. And, and you can do it from Launceston. You don't need to be in Sydney or New York or London. This is from Launceston. Yeah. At the ripe old age of? 18. 18. Wow, how about that? Mm. Look, this morning, we are going to delve into topics about the city, about the church, about business, about relationships, about influence, and probably a whole lot more. And uh, we're going to learn from, well, in fact, from what Tim is learning in life and in leadership, and kind of to summarise a bit like his hope story, if we could. And so we're going to hear from him. So let's get into it. Are we ready? Yes. First question, my first question to Tim is this. Tim, let me start by asking you how you, first of all, came to faith and how that impacts your life. Well, coming to faith is an interesting question because I think for all of us it's very personal and it's very individual. For me, there wasn't a road to Damascus type of moment where I was blinded by light and uh, I changed my name. It was a very much, uh, I was blessed and very fortunate to be born into a, a Christian family. Uh, I remember only going to church on Sundays. I don't ever remember a period of time where uh, God and Jesus and uh, faith wasn't something that was very normal conversation. So. There was no particular point where I go, wow, that was the day I, I committed my life to Jesus. It's always been a central part of my, um, my understanding. There probably was a point, but I just don't remember it. Now, along the journey, and certainly through my teens, um, through various Christian camps and so on, I think there would be what I'd call accelerator moments, where as a consequence of Bible study, as a consequence of hanging out with uh, great Christian friends, and of great leadership, you sort of want to put your foot down and go a bit harder. And there were certainly a number of camps where I remember sort of concluding uh, Bible study series, sermon series, preachers along the journey that have really made a profound difference in my journey. And, um, and Mark Connor, of course, is a great friend of yours who preached here last year, I think, uh, was, was someone who uh, really sort of helped me uh, see things along the way, and that was in my 30s at that stage. So Murray Ramage, um, a former minister of the church I used to go to, was really uh, powerful and profound. And at a very useful age, when I was in my teens, uh, around the positivity of believing in Jesus Christ and what the church can do. And he was a very positive preacher and left a very deep and um, impactful message and on my, in my mind and on my heart. You went on a missions trip as well, though. Yeah, you? back when I was uh, 21, uh, um, we'd been praying for a year or two about going off to China to deliver Bibles. And that was very... Still, there's a case that uh, Bibles um, are not welcome, particularly in China. And we decided... Andrew Fair, um, who I've known for a very long time, pretty well my whole life, um, encouraged a group of three, three others plus him, so a group of four of us, to head off to China, and we smuggled Bibles in. We, uh, it was quite an interesting experience. I got caught. Wasn't sure what was going to happen, but uh, we all got caught. In fact, I was the last one to have got caught, and it was interesting. I, I do remember thinking to myself, uh, I'm obviously better at this smuggling business than my fellow travellers. 
But sure enough, uh, God keeps you modest and humble. And at the last trip, I was the one that um, got caught and uh, it seemed that my uh, passing through customs seemed to take quite a bit longer than everyone else's. So, but it was a really a terrific experience. We did a little bit of travel in China as well. We made quite a number of trips from Hong Kong into various cities. And uh, it was a real highlight, uh, a, a wonderful sort of time in life. Yeah, well, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, let's talk about, uh, you've had a lot of experience in our city amongst business people, uh, community, community leaders, and uh, gained a lot of insight in regards to our city. And so just for a moment, let's talk about the narrative of our city. And what I mean by that is this, that how do we as a city need to grow, but also what does that mean for Door of Hope Christian Church? And where does church and business meet? And what does it mean or look like for Christians to be influencing our city for good? Well, there's quite a few questions in that, so you might need to bring me back to the state. But let me, let me sort of um, perhaps start by saying that for me, it's really important that whatever I do, I can do through um, the biblical narrative. I can do through a, a biblical lens of this is how I can make sense of it based on what I think or, um, or other wise people might think is, is the approach that we should be taking. So a few years ago when I became interested in the momentum of Launceston, uh, I, I made a decision that I wanted to get involved and become more uh, influential in the civic hierarchy. And so the way I decided to do that was to um, join the board of the Chamber of Commerce and to, and ultimately a year later, become the president. And that enabled me to become quite uh, involved in various meetings and discussions as the civic sector looked to understand more what business wanted. But as I, as I was contemplating that, it became important to me to get a sense of what, what does God think about cities? And in fact, God, God has quite a lot to say about the city, uh, about various cities. He, uh, the Bible mentions about 280 times at various cities. Uh, so cities are mentioned uh, throughout, the, throughout scriptures, both in the Old and New Testament. Uh, Paul, of course, uh, writes um, to cities. Um, in uh, Galatians 3.1, he talks to the Galatians. He starts by saying, you foolish Galatians, have you been bewitched? Um, so... Paul regularly writes to city leaders, and, um, and of course, cities become known for certain things. Uh, um, obviously, Bethlehem it was a city known as the birthplace of Jesus. Uh, Jerusalem was known as the place where Jesus was crucified. Uh, so cities having a brand and having a narrative becomes uh, clearly important. And as I began to move more and more into wanting to get involved in the leadership story of Launceston, I became comfortable that cities are really important to God and God's way of doing things. Um, in fact, uh, in Paul's letter to Timothy, he writes uh, encouragement to be praying for city leaders and for the kings and for the uh, lawmakers, etc. So I became confident that this was a good work to be pursuing and that it wasn't purely um, a secular pursuit. And, and in fact, it's part of the reason why I feel comfortable talking here today on Sunday, that I, I think that we are all actually should be quite concerned for the well-being of our city and for the role that church has to play in it. So, 
I think, I think God's interest in cities is, is because he has a deep interest in people. And that's what cities are, of course. They're a collection of people. It's a, an, a, it's a, a concentration of human activity where we, do, where we seem to, as human beings, be able to do more remarkable things. Uh, whilst remarkable things obviously happen in uh, agricultural areas, increasingly only 4% of the population globally uh, are now are directly involved in primary production. Uh, many, many years ago, there were many, many more. So uh, cities have been the place where uh, there's been a great concentration of, of effort, um, where research, where learning occurs, and where I think the energy that drives uh, the, the rural areas and agriculture and um, activities that happen on water, etc., it really is all coming out of the cities. And so cities need to become themselves increasingly sophisticated. We need to uh, have a stock, a, a stock of people that are well educated. We need to uh, have a vision for what it is that we're good at. We need to work to our uh, local um, strengths. Um, economists talk in terms of your local advantage. Uh, they talk in terms of your inherited advantage, your built-in advantage, your, your natural advantage. And so cities typically um, understand those and uh, working with the university sector and uh, working with the business community really try and amplify the potential that those advantages have for the good of uh, the people that live within them. And so as we think about Launceston, uh, we can look at and, and ask ourselves those same questions. Well, what are the natural strengths? What are the inherited advantages? Uh, what are the things that we can and should be doing? Indeed, what are the problems that we have? Um, it's, it's not all good news, um, pretty well for all cities. Uh, but what are, the, what are the problems that we have as a city that we need to address to ensure that, uh, as leaders, the city is travelling in the right direction to prepare not only for our own generation but for the generations ahead? So, to me, cities are a place of momentum, they're a place of innovation, uh, they're a place of social binding where uh, communities uh, work together, but they're also a place where organisations like business, like, uh, this, uh, like um, local government, state government, federal government, sporting organisations, and uh, most particularly the church, all have a part to play. And this um, agglomeration is another economic term, but this agglomeration of the various actors or the players within the city, uh, how those parts work together, like a series of cogs in a, in, a, in a mechanism, mesh and work efficiently together, is quite important in and of itself. And so the machinery of the city, the, the machinery that enables the civic hierarchy and all the various organisational elements to mesh and gel and create the leadership momentum that the city needs um, is also interesting and uh, we can talk a little bit more about some of the things that we're trying to do um, in Launceston to make that work better. But for me, uh, I think churches uh, would naturally be concerned for the welfare of the city. I think that uh, the way that the, an organisation like uh, Door of Hope does and can continue to do is to uh, make sure that we have programs and activities that uh, are not self-serving, but, but are actually serving the needs of the city. With all things, it's not a case of what you say that counts, it's a case of what you do. And I think uh, for organisations 
It is a case that you can be known for talking or you can be known for doing, and uh, this church particularly is one that I think is known for doing, and it's an exciting place to be. I don't think I've answered all your questions there, Steve. You might want to bring me back, but I think it sets the right foundation for um, understanding that... uh, that the you know the Bible has a, l- a lot of interest in in cities and city leadership. Well, he's done pretty well with that question, right? Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to the next one then, and uh, that is that um, uh, at our staff retreat you shared a vision that you have, and I heard this before the staff retreat, which kind of made me sit up. I think I heard you share this at uh, one of our management team meetings, probably a year or two ago in regards to, uh, for Launceston to become one of the great regional cities of the world. Isn't that a great vision? And I sit up and I kind of go, well, my role is like you with Door of Hope Christian Church. What does that mean for our church? And so that really got me thinking. So I went to my whiteboard in my office. I started writing up one of the great regional cities of the world. And we continued conversation. But I I want you to hear from Tim in regards to this. Once again, for Launceston to, be, to become one of the great regional cities of the world. Tell us what that means to you, what it looks like, what will it take, and is it even possible? Yeah. Well, let me, let me even start by saying where did this idea come from? Um, when I became the Chamber President, it struck me that as a leadership organisation that represented business and as um, ultimately the guy that was in the chair for a period of time to uh, be the front person of the organisation, to actually have a simple narrative that said, uh, this is what Launceston ought to be about, uh, seemed not only uh, a good idea, but actually seemed important. I couldn't hear around the city any single narrative that says, what should Launceston aspire to do or aspire to be? At the time, the University of Tasmania was deeply involved in negotiations with the City Council with respect to the Inveresque relocation. And at 10 past seven, and I remember this as clear as crystal, at 10 past seven one night, my mobile phone rang and it was um, unusual that I happened to have it close by at that time of night. And I didn't recognise the number, but it was an overseas number. probably about to be telemarketed, and uh, hi, Tim speaking. Tim, Peter Rathjen, I'm calling from Cambridge in London. Now, Peter Rathjen was the Vice-Chancellor of the University of Tasmania. And uh, I'd had a few short conversations. I don't hang out with Vice-Chancellors a a whole lot. Um, We'd had a few conversations along the journey, and I liked him. I don't think he disliked me. Uh, But we got talking. And he wanted a little bit of help on a particular point of negotiation that we were able to deal with fairly quickly. But we started talking about the importance of the relocation vision. And it just sort of rolled out of my mouth that, Peter, I think, you know, Launceston should really aspire to be a great regional city of the world. Well, he came back and about two months later, at the university's annual dinner that they have in Launceston every year, he actually, I wasn't there, but he quoted me. He said, the President of Launceston Chamber of Commerce said that Launceston should become one of the great regional cities of the world. And I thought to myself, well, if the Vice-Chancellor can say that and say that I said it, then it's probably worth going with. So that's how it uh, started. It was as simple as that. 
Um, as as uh, I've spoken to different people, the Labor Party at the last election, Rebecca White, um, embraced it as she uh, campaigned in Launceston. And in fact, at the last mayoral election, Albert Van Zetten also embraced it. And so there's this uh, growing movement around the city about Launceston becoming one of the great regional cities of the world. In fact, uh, one of um, uh, one of the uh, local business leaders, uh, Owen Tilbury, has started a thing called the Great Regional Challenge at the moment, and uh, businesses have donated to that, where we're encouraging local organisations to really get in and uh, contribute ideas, and there'll be a vote ultimately, but there'll be, um, it's, a, it's a way of really trying to stimulate local ideas to make Launceston uh, even greater than what it already is. And one of the, one of the challenges that uh, came up along the way was in fact perhaps the audaciousness of the vision. It uh, didn't resonate with everyone. I remember another person from the university saying, oh, Tim, uh, don't you mean one of the great regional cities of Australia? <laughs> I said, no. I, I, spent a, I spent a few seconds having a think about that, but it, it wasn't ambitious enough. I think we already are. We're the oldest regional city. Uh, we're a city with fine architecture. We've got amazing institutions, public institutions. Um, we have amazing schools. Uh, our infrastructure, our airports and hospitals and airport and hospital, etc., are, are as good as any that you'd find for a city our size by world standards. Uh, we, we have been blessed um, by this country and by uh, the, um, the boon that was uh, part of Launceston's development in the 1800s from the mining industries. We have a, an incredible inherited advantage. And so as we sort of, as I consider that, uh, to, to only to be a good city in Australia just seemed way short of the mark. Um, it, it's important that um, Launceston not confuse itself with Hobart or indeed other capital cities. We are a second city, but uh, that means, um, as uh, I think the rent, one of the rental car companies many years ago said, we try harder. And I think that's true. We don't have the advantages of a big public service uh, based here. The, the wealth that we generate is really generated off the back of business and uh, off the inspiration and innovation of Launcestonians across the generations. So I guess the question, that's how the statement came about and it's generally found a fair degree of acceptance. You know, to throw it around the other way, why wouldn't we want to become one of the great regional cities of the world? Yep. Why, why would we aspire for something less? And so it, it excites me to think that uh, as we embrace on programs, as we work with the city deal, that uh, this high-level concept that's very easy to understand, that's very aspirational, uh, that's not in any way intellectual, but sets a, a powerful vision for what it is we should all be uh, working towards. I think, um, I think it is possible that we could become one of the great regional cities of the world. I really believe it. I think... It, it, I think with any statement that is made, it can be, well, you know, that would be nice, you know, but it would never be possible. I don't think that that's the case. As I've already mentioned, we have tremendous inherited advantage, built advantage, natural advantage. It's interesting that um, as we look at the way population growth is beginning to accelerate right at the moment, we're seeing a lot of uh, climate refugees, uh, people that want to escape the traffic, the heat of uh, our northern mainland states. Uh, relocating to Tasmania and people are looking at Hobart and are looking at Launceston and we're seeing, uh, obviously Hobart's getting a tremendous swell in population, but we're 
there's no doubt that um, there are some attributes that Launceston has that to quite a lot of people seem more attractive than our state capital. And so I, I am convinced that as we uh, look to build our future and as we look to uh, develop programs and priorities uh, for the city in the years ahead, that uh, we can really build on those foundations. I think the city deal, Steve, is a, a really monumental thing for Launceston. The 300 million that's been put into the university development, and we'll talk more about uh, education um, shortly, but uh, is, is very significant. Uh, city deal, and, uh, which has been run out of the Prime Minister and Cabinet's department, and uh, the fact that Bass is probably very significant in helping the federal government win the last election. Uh, these things all work for us. And part of the, the involvement that I've had over the past um, few years through the chamber has been to influence these very senior decision makers about how it is that Launceston is not only needing a little bit of help from the Commonwealth, but how we're more than capable as a city to taking that help and using as a foundation for our, I guess, our own progress. It's interesting that, uh, and Bernard Salt, the demographer, made this comment a couple of years ago when he was visiting, but apparently Launceston has the second highest level of um, entrepreneurial startups and small business people per capita in Australia and only followed by Mackay. Uh, in Queensland. So we've got a very strong entrepreneurial culture and it's the private sector that ultimately generates the wealth. One of the uh, challenges that the city has is that at the moment we have a, we, it's, and this is a, a, a deduced figure, but we think about a $1.6 billion trade deficit. This is one of the challenges the city has. So how, as a, I'll go back a step. You would all understand that a business, a church, you, you generate income, you have expenses, and if you spend more than you earn, you're in trouble, or you, you are sooner or later. And cities are, are similar in one sense uh, to that. So we actually uh, import to the tune of about 1.6 billion per annum more than we export. So it's not hard to sort of come to the conclusion, well, there's a, a, a diminishing of wealth. Now, that's picked up, so, so as the city actually doesn't go broke. What actually happens is the federal government transfers money, and that, those uh, transfers occur through government grants, but also through things like social services, the pension, um, uh, unemployment benefits, etc. So um, ultimately, the uh, city remains liquid. But the challenge is, is that we're not really growing the wealth. In fact, people who have lived here for a long time might say that they've observed that Launceston doesn't feel as prosperous a city today as perhaps it might have 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. And that's, that's true because we're not trading as much. We don't have as many businesses here trading as been, as the, the global economy is centralised, we don't have the same local managers, we don't have the um, there's been a, a, an efficiency that's occurred that all regional cities and towns around the country have felt, so this is not unique to Launceston, but it's changed. And so we don't have the same sort of uh, wealth generation capabilities as we have previously. And so the challenge for the civic leadership is to say, well, how do we fill in that gap? And how do we attract industries? And this is an age-old issue. 
Um, places like uh, Bill Bay have been established to attract heavy industry, but even those places you know, cycle through. So we need to generate new wealth for the future, and I think to become a great city, we've got to look at what those wealth-generating opportunities precisely are. And for me, uh, I, would, I would back my buggy to the horse called education. Uh, education is, in this time, um, critically important to our future. It always has been, but I would say more so now than ever before. Um, in, in years gone by, I'm going to sort of, sort of go off to a slight uh, seven minutes left, crikey's. <laughs> uh, we'll just go off to the side for a moment. We, we live in a very peaceful era. In terms of humanity and across the centuries, the last 40 or 50 years have been some of the, the most peaceful times in human history. Um, the reason is, uh, partly it's suggested, is because we're not going out and fighting wars to get land or to take the country's jewels or to the, uh, try and get oil. Or th th These sorts of battles have been largely um, fought, they've been you know, won or lost, as the case may be, and the new wealth in 2020 is the intellectual property that sits with people. It's the capacity of our citizens, it's the capacity of our people to generate wealth through ideas and through innovation, and that's why education is so important. Imagine if the Chinese, for example, decided that they wanted to take, they wanted to a bit more American wealth. They couldn't really launch an attack on Silicon Valley and try and capture the wealth, take it back to China and somehow make it work. It's a ridiculous concept. And so the world has changed. Back, uh, as I say, when, when wars were fought around more physical-based things, there was a, uh, a much greater focus on, on uh, really trying to collect that wealth. But today, it sits in the, in the minds of people. And as you see, specialities continuing to specialise and sub-specialties, et cetera, et cetera. This is really where the wealth of humanity is. In fact, it's quite scary. As you look at, as you look at the physical world and how it's dominates, dominated for so many millennia, today, actually, it's humanity's intellectual world that now dominates the physical world. It will be a decision to cut greenhouse emissions from humans that will probably be uh, needed to sort of ultimately rebalance the climate. Um, that's the decision of human beings. Never has humanity been so powerful in influencing the physical world. So it is important that a place like Tasmania and Launceston particularly understand what it has to do to focus in on our natural advantages through education and not only extract the full potential that we have, but frankly, sell those ideas to the rest of the world to places that uh, have similar sorts of natural profiles. So is it possible? Yes. But we do need to make sure that uh, education is highly valued. We do need to make sure that families, uh, grandparents, mums and dads are really saying to their kids, you know, education, to the extent that is suitable to each individual, but is, is a real priority. And I think, you know, when you look at churches, how does Door of Hope uh, play into that narrative? Well, we, we have, um, you know, kids, um, kids club, ministry, Sunday school, whatever it's called. It used to be, used to, Hope, kids. Hope Kids, yes. It used to be called Sunday school when I was a boy. 
But, you know, how important that is to really demonstrate and to teach important lessons of the Bible, but also continue to reinforce the value of education. Door of Hope, um, with the uh, child-minding activities, with the programs that are planned for the um, next 12, 24, 36 months. Uh, these are all very practical programs that deliver real benefits to society, um, as well as this um, wonderful church as well. Insightful, isn't it? Yeah, it's interesting. So interesting and uh, really appreciate that. And I get a chance each and every month for a couple of hours to sit alongside Tim and to hear him. And he makes us sit up and to think and uh, uh, inspire us in uh, our role as a church within a, a, a part of a, a bigger picture. And a Door of Hope Christian Church is certainly a part of a bigger picture in our city. And uh, I guess maybe just to finish off with Tim as we kind of um, finish our time here together. Um, the importance, you've got an opportunity now to speak to the people of Door of Hope and those who are participating online this morning in regards to engagement as individuals and networking in our city and how we can, um, I guess, play a role um, as a Christian, as a church, within maybe that vision of uh, being the, what do we call it, that wants us to become one of the great re regional cities of the world. Well, it's, it's about the do. Um, as I said earlier, um, we can all talk, but it's about the do that makes the difference. A door of hope is known as a real doing church. And um, I, my interest in the City Mission is because City Mission is a real doing organisation, helping people. So you've, this church has a marvellous um, inheritance uh, in terms of this building. Um, the most audacious, crazy... <laughs> What were you thinking at the time? A decision to buy this place, but what, a, what an incredible legacy uh, we now have to um, make this place all it can be, to make the external uh, interface, the things as simple as uh, the, the, the street that we're on, uh, the car park, uh, making that an attractive place, uh, utilising the full potential that this amazing building has to God's glory, but to serve the needs of the city. This auditorium is regularly uh, used for the purposes of um, running conventions and conferences and school shows and the whole thing. Uh, we have commercial enterprises in our church bringing non-church people in every day uh, in what is a remarkably innovative approach for a church to be taking. This isn't Bible bashing down on the mall. This is a, a much more subtle uh, and I think perhaps even more culturally appropriate approach to how um, this wonderful church is engaging in Launceston. And it does require these sorts of shrewd, clever strategies, which, you know, Jesus himself encourages that we, we need to be clever in the way that we seek to spread and influence above. We heard from Gray earlier talking about the importance of Alpha, but there are so many strategies that we need. Um, Sandy talking last week about getting the rubbish out of our, our life. You know, this church is a place where uh, rubbish can be removed from people's lives and where people can really uh, see the importance of having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and, and with God. And uh, so we need to have programs and uh, just a whole suite of things that work to achieve that. And, you know, I, I can't think of a church in Tasmania that does that better than us, but there's more work to be done. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, we're going to leave it there, but uh, really appreciate 
you having the time to spend with us this morning, to speak over us. As I said, I've, I've heard you a couple of times now, and uh, I really wanted to bring you before the congregation to hear some of your learnings, of course, and you continue to learn and continue to grow as a, uh, as a, a businessman, as a follower of Jesus in our city. We're thankful. I'd really like to pray for Tim. Is that okay? On behalf of us, uh, just before we release, and encourage Tim just in a moment. Let me pray for Tim. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the giftings in Tim's life. Thank you, God, for the way that you've created him, the way that um, the things that he's learning from others within our city, but also the things that he's teaching others in our city. Thank you for his heart. Thank you for his passion. Thank you for his desire to bring hope to all people in our city. Lord, the the many responsibilities that he carries must weigh heavily every now and then, but thank you, Lord, that that you carry him and that you carry those burdens for him. Thank you for his family, and we pray, God, that uh, you would bless and encourage and protect this family, that you would grant him wisdom, um, you would grant him courage, And you'd grant him discernment that he needs as he seeks you, as he seeks first the kingdom of God and all these other things would be added unto him. Thank you, Father, for this city, for this nation and for the nations, for this city of Launceston to be one of the great regional cities of the world. What a great vision. Lord, your heart is for this city. You love this city so much that you gave your one and only son for. And so thank you, Lord, for these words of encouragement. Thank you for insight, uh, how interesting it's been, and also the inspiration that it's given us to be better members, uh, not just in our own church, but also in our own community. And so we pray your blessing upon Tim right now, and we thank you for him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's encourage Tim Holder. Thanks, everybody.